0: Listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world,
1: just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be
2: Leaders become great, not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others. Hello, and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today the theme for our show is the gift of leadership. And I'm Zara
3: Hassanade. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. We are going to read together The Gift of Leadership by Soojin Park, a native of Korea, um, who became the second teen director of Be the Star You Are charity as she learned to be a leader.
2: So The Gift of Leadership by Soojin Park When I was nine, the world as I knew, it exploded. My dad moved our family of four to Birmingham, England. My playground had been Seoul, Korea, where my Asian playmates were cautious, quiet, focused, and obsessed with education. Suddenly, I was plunged into a metropolis populated with multinationals. I had never seen a black person before, nor a Pakistani, nor an Indian. Culture shock times ten.
3: In Birmingham, my friends hailed from every continent boasting a multitude of languages, customs, and religions. Students in England were less focused on school. Without the concern of living up to Korean intellectual expectations, I thrived in group activities and sports. My confidence and self-esteem escalated as I helped people from diverse backgrounds connect in a positive way through social clubs and school events. With limited financial resources, several of my new friends were hesitant to get involved. They looked to me for guidance as I assumed a leadership role. I was a star.
2: At 15, my dad moved us to America. I was ecstatic. California was the promised land. I couldn't wait to show the Yanks the prowess of this Korean girl with a British accent.
3: In upper-class Moraga, diversity is non-existent. My bravado deflated the first day of school. Campolindo High School ranks number one in the state. I felt small, insignificant, and intimidated by the affluence. Despair filled my soul. How was I to fit in, much less excel?
2: A local charity needed volunteers. Be the Star You Are empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. The star part captured my attention.
3: At my interview, the founder, Cynthia Bryan, asked if I'd like to join the Star Teen Book Review Team. No, I responded, I don't like to read. Would you like to write for our newsletter, I was asked. No, I don't like to write. Hmm, what do you like to do, was the next question. Looking around the office strewn strewn with books, I suggested organizing. Done, said the director.
2: That first day began the rest of my story. While organizing, I adventured to read a book. Interacting with the book reviewers, I wrote a review. Astonishingly, I enjoyed it. Reading, writing, and getting published became passions. I was actually good. My confidence rose.
3: I volunteered for more responsibilities. Soon, I was a teen chairperson overseeing the book reviewers, delegating volunteers for events, organizing the office, and updating inventories. From shipping resources for disaster relief to supplying books to juvenile halls, the homeless, abused, and forgotten, I discovered the paradox of life. When we serve others, we serve ourselves. I had blossomed into an unstoppable leader.
2: Shortly, I will search for another me. To train as team chairperson, Be the Star You Are offered me the assurance that I am enough with the ability to shine no matter where I reside in this world.
3: Success is not dependent on the color of your skin, the slant of your eyes, the city you live in, or the God that you worship. Success is dependent on your determination to assimilate, cooperate, and initiate.
2: The stringent standards at Campolindo, with its exceptional student body, reacquainted me with the desire to excel scholastically and socially. I intend to share my unique gifts as I embark on my next adventure. We are all stars.
3: I am proud to be a Korean girl with a British accent from California on her way to New York City, Seoul or Birmingham, Moraga or New York. The world is my playground. I know the game. Let's play together.
2: So we have an exercise, and I really love that story because I have multiple ethnic backgrounds. And... I have, I'm have. i not just one, I don't have one ethnicity. So it's really cool to see how people are proud of where they come from and proud of what their ancestors are. And they don't depend on where they come from to determine if they'll be successful or not. Uh, right, you know, yeah, definitely. We're both women. You know, a lot of people uh, really look to see what we're going to do the most because... We're young, we're women, and we're doing something that not a lot of people do. So it's really empowering to see other people doing what they dream of, despite who they are, what they look like, where they come from. So Sorry, I, really, I really like that.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: So we have the exercise, Grow Your Leadership. And before you start the exercise, I invite you to answer the following questions. And we'll kind of discuss them as we go, too, so you guys can really feel comfortable with that. So what are your greatest fears? Uh, For me, uh, my greatest fear is failing at something that I have worked so hard for. I've put my time, I've put my energy in something, and when I fail at something after I've done all that, it's a real heartbreak for me because
3: Mm.
2: you've invested so much in something and, you know, it was a fail and, you know, you weren't successful. But it's, it's a little hard to really realize, you know, you failed, well, now do what you should have done, and don't do what you did because obviously that was a mistake.
3: Yeah, I definitely get that too. I think that's definitely like one of my biggest fears as well. Like, you know, when you fail at something you're especially good at or something like, you know, oh, you might not be a math genius, but maybe you really like writing English essays and then you get an essay back and it's like, you know, you got a C on it or something. And you're like, oh, wow. And that just like brings you down so much. And it's like even worse than getting like an F on your math test because Mm -hmm. like, you you know, know hard. Yeah, right, and then, like, you know that that's supposed to be your thing, but, like, what are you supposed to do if you can't do your thing? But I think, you know, of course, it's, like, I think we do, especially in America, view failure as kind of an end with no, that can have no new beginning. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty dangerous mindset because, you know, learning does spring from failure.
2: It does. Uh, Another question that we have, the next one, is what could you do to overcome those fears? And I think overcoming the fear of failure really has to do with your mindset. Like you said, you know, when we think that failure is an end that has no new beginning, that's a dangerous mindset because right, yeah. you're, you failed at something. Now, what are you going to do? You know, that's, that's the question that always comes into your head after you fail failed at something. But the question that you can ask yourself is now, what can I do better? than what I did before or what could yeah. differently than what I did before because obviously what I did didn't work. So now i got to find something else.
3: Yeah, that reminds um, me of like, oh, yeah, go on, sorry.
2: Uh, well, because how our, our uh, writer in here uh, said that she didn't like to read and she didn't like to write. But when she started reading and writing, she saw that she enjoyed it, you know, and she was successful at it and that made her move forward in her successes and what she really wanted to do.
3: Yeah, and that's, like, pretty inspiring, and I think that's definitely, like, something we can learn from, too. And I remember, you know, there's always this, like, quote they have in, like, all elementary school classrooms, I feel like, and it's like, you know, Thomas Edison was once, like, I have not failed. I found a thousand different ways that don't work. I remember just, like, even as a little kid, that just made, like, such a huge impact on my brain. I was like, yeah, like, okay, you're going to fail. You're going to fail a bunch of times, but, Uh you know... As long as you learn from that failure, then you should be fine. And even, you know, in the story, she talks about being afraid of coming to Camp Lindo High School where everyone is so mm-hmm. high achieving and there's really no diversity. It's something so different from what she's used to. But I think, you know, when people make the most like, you know, the people we remember most are the ones that can make the most out of the situation that they're mm-hmm. in, juice the most out of a situation that hasn't given them much.
2: Yeah, Exactly. And the next question that we have is what motivates you and what will motivate you in overcoming those fears. And I think that once you find something that motivates you, you kind of have that support system for yourself, not from other people, but from yourself. If you know you're motivated by something, you know, it's going to push you forward to become successful in whatever you're doing. So if you find something that motivates you, Really focus on that and try and understand that that is what's going to help you move forward. If you find something that motivates you, then that's something really important.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, even it can – it doesn't have to be something huge. Like, it can can just be be a –
2: yeah,
3: definitely. You know, like, I'm – might not be motivated to do my homework, but then I'll be like, oh, maybe I can watch, you know, ten minutes of TV if I do my homework or something like that. Yeah, I think that's really important. <laughs> or if I
2: actually do my homework, then maybe I can get a good grade. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> like, learn stuff. <laughs> yeah, and he, the last question that we have is: to you, what does it mean to be a leader? And to a lot of different people, that's that's a different kind of description that they have for a leader. Is that leader confident? Is that leader quiet? Is that leader um, okay with giving direction? Is that leader somebody who just inspires people? And, you know, really getting that idea into your head on what it means to be a leader, you can kind of create what kind of leader you want to be.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, people always think of leaders as like charismatic and, you know, politicians and stuff, but it doesn't always have to be that way. I think it can You know, leaders can just as well be introverted, but I think people sometimes don't appreciate that as much because they'll just say, oh, you know, you're just a sheep following, Mm -hmm. you know, someone else. You're not a real leader. And it's kind of hard to be that kind of leader, too, I think.
2: I think so, too. And we do actually, you have some three tips to grow your leadership. Did you want to give those out?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, these are the three tips. Always be confident. Try not to think about what others would think about you. Uh, Do not pay attention to your weaknesses. Focus on things you are good at and tell yourself that you are the best. Always try and listen to other people's opinions. It is very important to be able to listen to others if you want to be a leader.
2: Awesome. Well, I think this was a really encouraging story and awesome discussion for us as well as the people who are listening and if you guys want to hear more stories and encouraging chapters like these, check out our award-winning book by Be the Star You Are for Teens: Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our brand new radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, subscriptions, links, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Zara
3: Hosnate. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of leadership.
0: We didn't invent kid talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. Remember my name. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week?
1: There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the Tech Team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids.
0: Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program.
2: I am Asia Gonzalez, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. I'm
3: Zara. Today, our show is all about leadership, and in this segment, Asia and I will be discussing leadership in our own lives, as well as kind of leadership all around the world. So, Asia, I know that you are the oldest sibling in your family, Mm -hmm. so how do you... Um, you know, take up the leadership role and all the responsibilities that come with being the oldest sibling?
2: Well, I was the only child for about three years and then my younger brother was born. Uh, And at first, when I was little, I knew that I was just infatuated with this thing that was in our house and I didn't know what it was until later I realized that, oh, that's my younger brother. (laughs) And um, growing older, uh, about a year... About a year later, we had another. Uh, my mom and dad had another boy, and that was my youngest brother. So I have two, oh, and nice. I grew older. And I love them to death. You know, I have the greatest relationship with them ever. They're my best friends. Uh, usually, when I hear that these you know oldest siblings have younger brothers or sisters, you know they they tell that uh, me how you know, absolutely annoyed at them they are, or, you know, how much they can't stand their younger brother or younger sister, and I just, I hate hearing that, because yeah. I feel like I have such a wonderful uh, relationship with my brothers, and it pains me to hear that these people don't have a very good relationship with their younger siblings, yeah. and the most challenging part of being the oldest sibling was being a leader you know, figuring out that you are an example to these younger children, even though you are essentially a child yourself, you know, as you get older, you're still a leader to those, to those kids, you know. I'm a leader to my two little brothers. You know, I'm trying my best to be a really good example for them. And mm-hmm. it was really learning how to be an example and not the mean older sister. And there was a huge difference between being bossy or prideful versus being an honest leader and example to my younger siblings you know um as we got older my parents took a job where they would have to go on appointments to meet with people um to and talk to them at their houses and we didn't essentially go with them very often because they were kind of far away they would have to drive like maybe an hour or two to get to that person's house So we didn't really want to be stuck in the car. So as I got older, you know, my parents were saying, you know, you're old enough to babysit your little brothers. We're trusting you at this, you know. Um, And that really gave me practice in being a leader to my brothers, you know, not being the bossy older sister and really giving them caring and nurturing love and letting them know that I actually care about them and I'm not being this way to be mean. I'm doing this to help them lead their lives in a better way. Uh, so by allowing them to watch what I do in life, because they have this older person that is going through life before them, they're going to take all of what I'm doing and apply it to their lives because they see what I'm doing right and wrong. So Mm -hmm. I'm in college right now and they're in high school. So that's a huge learning experience on showing them, you know, pay attention in school because it's important yeah. to do your homework because that's really important. Yeah. And it's, it gives me so much joy. <laughs> it's not to be prideful or anything like that, but it gives me a whole lot of joy when they come and ask me a question about their homework yeah. because I love being able to help them. And it, it gives me pride, uh, pride in them that, I'm helping them be successful in school, and I really love watching them grow and become the two young men that they are. It's just—it's awesome being an older sister.
3: Yeah, that's so cool, and I think that's definitely like you know something to take pride in because it's so hard, I think, to be an older sibling. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think of—I'm the youngest of like four—and I think of you know my eldest sister. How did she you know do it all without even having an example to help her? And when I think about yeah. the example that she set for all of us, I'm so grateful because it's like you know, she took up that leadership role and she set Mm -hmm. such a great example that it's like almost kind of hard to like, I don't know, veer off from that example or even just like find any flaws in that example. And I think it's like really admirable that older siblings can do that. And they're definitely, you know, when you can be, like you said, actually like, you know, teaching your siblings how to do things instead of just bossing them around, that can, Mm -hmm. that's really effective.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, I see, you know, you are the president of the diversity club at your school. How how has that been? You know, how has that taught you about leadership and all that?
3: Yeah, so it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a diversity club last year at our school, so I didn't really have any experience with it. But I really wanted to start one because, you know, um, like Campolindo, the school that was talked about in the first segment, I go Mm -hmm. to a school called Marimani High School, which is in the neighboring city. Um, And it's like... Yeah, and it's, like, just like Campolindo, it's not very diverse at all. Like, Mm. everyone has kind of very similar goals. Everyone's, you know, most of them are, like, white and, like, you know, (laughs) they don't necessarily appreciate diverse opinions or diverse abilities or anything like that. So I really wanted to start this club up. And it was a challenge at first, you know, like coordinating club meetings, trying to get people to come. I remember our very first meeting, only like five people showed up and those five people were like my closest friends. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> it at least it started like, somewhere. That's
3: good yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, of course, a little discouraging. Like we were talking about failure in the last um, segment. That kind of seemed like a failure to me. And I was like, how am I going to get this going? Um, and, oh, I also had to deal with, you know, well, not deal with, but I have two other co-presidents, um, that are seniors this year. Okay. And it was kind of hard to work with them at first too, because I thought, oh, you know, like a leader is just one person. A leader can only be one person that just like works by themselves and they lead everyone else. But then I had to, you know, learn to work with these other two leaders. And I actually found that with their help, we like made our club even better. And, you know, we could bounce ideas off each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really like, you know, as a sophomore starting a club, I wasn't alone. I could actually look to these seniors and be like, oh, you know, they're good leaders. And they taught me how to be a leader and, you know, just keep a conversation flowing, how to not make conversations about diversity awkward, how to, you know, get people excited about diversity as yeah. well. Um, and that's when we started like doing all of our activities. And like, you know, we, um like did something for our school's kindness week. And we, our school actually wanted to have a kindness week because we wanted to do this activity with our school. Um, so, you know, through all of that, I learned a lot of leaderships, a lot of leadership skills because, you know, not that many people were enthusiastic at first, but I had to find a way to make them enthusiastic, which was pretty
2: hard at first. That sounds really difficult, but I think that what you're doing is pretty awesome with your school even though you don't have a whole lot of diversity at your school, you're really making that effort to create something that inspires it. I think that's awesome.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. And um, I know that, you know, um, you're, you lead a charity and you're a business owner. And, you know, going even beyond school, that's like, you know, we think sometimes that the leadership roles we take in school are hard, but that sounds like a whole different challenge by itself. So how do you take that challenge of being
2: a le- leading your own charity and leading your own business? Uh, Well, it started with the fact that I want to be a fashion designer. And when you're a fashion designer, you're not really working for somebody. You've created your own thing. And that really intimidated me at first because I was like, how am I going to do that? Because first of all, how are people going to say, oh, her designs are cute. I want to buy them from her. Or, you know, how am I going to be recognized as a leader or as a business owner? So I started the business, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I was kind of learning as I go. And uh, when I got offered a public speaking position with a group that I am in, it really showed me what, it's, what being a business owner is uh, regarding being a leader and being inspirational to people, especially when you're a young business owner. You know, that's not really uh, looked for or common. And when I started doing this public speaking, it was mind boggling. And I didn't know yeah. that I would ever be doing this when I was 13 years old. So, wow, yeah, <laughs> I was I was 13 when I had my first public speaking at Concordia University in California. And that was in a room with about 100 kids looking at me thinking, who is this chick? You know, what is she what is she going to talk wow. about? Is it even going to be interesting? And You know, my mind was racing, you know, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of what I'm saying? And when I got up there, uh, I talked about how I started my business, you know, the difficulties of having a business, but how to overcome those difficulties, the sacrifices that I've made. And after that entire thing, these kids came up to me and they were telling me, you know, we loved your story. We loved what you've been able to do, even though you're only 13 years old. And you're an inspiration. And these kids telling me this, I finally realized, you know, this is my way of being a leader and how I can uh, incorporate being a business owner and being a leader at the same time. And leading a charity that's linked to my business uh, is showing people that, yes, you have a business, you're mm-hmm. creating profit for yourself, but how are you using that profit to benefit other people? Power yeah. you know being a humanitarian um and giving back to your community and leading a charity, doing that, and owning a business uh has really grown my knowledge in what it means to be a leader
3: Wow, that is so amazing i can't even think of you know like being thirteen years old and having A gig like that did you ever like have any like public speaking experience before that was that like your first time
2: that was the very first time that I've ever done any public speaking before you know besides talking in front of a classroom and even that terrified me and after that you know I joined a group and we now go all over the country speaking to kids about owning a business and you know following your passions and all that but that was the very first experience I ever had and that was crazy
3: wow that's amazing I think you know just like I think it's also really important to have kid leaders, like, or, you know, Mm -hmm. young leaders like you to, like, show other young people that, you know, they're not useless. It's not, like, the first 20 years of your life, like, you're just sitting... Wondering what the heck we're going to do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, even, like, when I think about some of the people that have made the biggest impact on my life, it's often those, like kids that are such like leaders in themselves because I think you can just relate
2: to them more I think that's really admirable so great job <laughs> <laughs> then I like what you're doing with your school with your diversity club oh, but thank you. you so much Zara. <laughs> And unfortunately, we're out of time, but we will definitely talk about more of this during the next segment because I really think we need another one to talk about everything that we want to because this is getting really interesting. But support our show and these amazing segments by giving a donation to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And for more information on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org.
3: And we've also just built a new website, so please check that out and follow our blog. Again, that website is www.BeTheStarYouAre.org. Also remember to visit our new radio site at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. When we come back from break, Asia and I will continue our talk on leadership, so don't go anywhere. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids.
3: You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring.
0: Thank you for
2: staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Expressing Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today's topic is the gift of leadership. I'm Asia Gonzalez,
3: and I'm Zara Hossein. We've had a great discussion so far about personal leadership in our own lives, and we're going to talk more about leadership um, in this segment and elaborate on that. Um, so, last segment, um, Asia was talking about how it's been, a, you know, awesome opportunity and awesome. You know, work on her part to be the leader of her own charity and her own business. Uh, but Asia, I know that you worked at a daycare and a preschool before, or I don't know about before, but like maybe while you were um, the leader of your charity and your business. So, how did that teach you a different kind of leadership?
2: Well, I'm actually working at the daycare now. It's kind of a new experience oh for okay. Me. And I also work the children's ministry at my church, so that is kind of what inspired me to also work at a daycare because I love being with children. I love seeing them grow and blossom into the younger kids that they are and just see who they're going to be later in life. Um, and it's just wonderful creating relationships with those kids because they're so sweet and they're so adorable. And it's awesome to to learn, to learn see what they're learning and, and see how they develop. And right now I'm in the one-year-old classroom. And oh. it's awesome <laughs> to see how they start out when they can't say a word. You know, they only, like, grunt or mumble or whatever they do to try and (laughs) get across what they're trying to say, and um, then when they get older and they're going to transition into their next class, they're talking in sentences, and they're talking to you. It's just so awesome to be able to see that, how they develop into not being able to talk at all to them saying complete sentences, and you're able to laugh with them because they're so funny. And Uh, It's really taught me a lot about leadership because I'm dealing with a whole different age group and they're very um, uh, impressionable at that age. You know, your attitude with anything is going to reflect on them and they're going to take that attitude with them through life or through that day. You know, whatever time frame that is, they're going to take the attitude that you have at that moment and incorporate it to the rest of their day or however long they want to. And it's really hard sometimes because, you know, I've had my off days where I honestly did not want to be there. And I Mm -hmm. had to really redirect myself and say, you know what? You're here. You're with these kids. You have to have a great attitude or it's going to affect them, not just you. Yeah. And it's, I'm trying to say this in a way that's not going to be negative, but we're technically raising these children because yeah. parents are at work all day. You're with these kids all yeah. day. yeah, And you're essentially raising them, which is so unfortunate. But, you know, that's just how things are. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where you got to be careful because you're with these kids all day and you're the one person that they're with constantly. So you are making the impression on them. And you're teaching them things throughout life and throughout their day that they're going to use and keep. What you say is going to affect them and how you react is going to affect them. If you're negative to them all the time, they're going to be negative or they're going to have a negative outlook on whatever it is. You know, as young as they are, they're going to have that. And if you're positive towards them, then they're positive throughout that day you know, you give them love and encouragement, they're going to keep that with them throughout the day or throughout the rest of the week or however long. And that's going to really affect their life and their home life. So that's what's really important when you're working with kids is you may not think that something small is going to affect them, but it really really mm-hmm. You just have to be super careful with that. And it's about being humble. It's about being patient. It's about being kind. Um, you know, when you have to instill discipline, when a kid is picking on another kid or not listening you have to be really careful on how you and how you uh give that discipline because you don't want it yeah. to be negative you want it to be reinforcing you want it to be redirecting and positive and kind of a guidance experience not a punishing experience because you want them to learn you don't want them to be afraid you want them to learn
3: yeah definitely and i think it's like you know, people always think it's hard to teach, uh, kids or adults as they grow older, but I think it's a, you know, new challenge in itself to to try to teach kids that are, you know, at those critical developmental phases Mm -hmm. in their lives. And I think also like, you know, I think about babysitters and I'll have friends that'll just be like texting me the whole time, like while they're babysitting their little cousin or something. And they'll be like, Oh, like I have to like watch the stupid snot nosed kid. And I'm like, okay, but like try to like, you know, engage that snot-nosed kid and maybe if they are so snot-nosed and try to make them not so Um, snot-nosed. But, you know, and I think it's just like, also the teachers that you remember from elementary school aren't necessarily the ones that were mean and said, like, oh, do your work, like, every single second. And those aren't the teachers that necessarily taught you the most either. I think it's definitely the ones that made learning fun, Mm -hmm. uh, which sounds like exactly what you're doing. I think that's, like, um, definitely what you remember the most.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, I I had this one teacher that I didn't like very much because she didn't really like me either. I don't remember her that well. But I remember my kindergarten teacher, which was 14 years ago or so. And I remember that teacher because she made such an impression on my life because she was always such a positive person. And she always was Mm -hmm. so happy. And she was just a beautiful person in general. And I still remember her because of that.
3: Wow. Yeah. No. I think same thing for me. Like my kindergarten teacher was amazing. She always, I like. I don't even know how she thought of some of the activities that she did think of, but they were amazing and they definitely taught me so much. And then I had this one teacher in elementary school that was like super, super mean and like everyone hated her. And like, oh. but I don't, I don't remember anything about like learning anything in what was it like first grade or something. Um, besides just like listening to her yell at us, you know. And I, I think, didn't
2: really have a very nice first grade teacher either.
3: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um and I also remember actually um my dad telling me that you know he went to school in Pakistan he went to a British school in Pakistan and they mm. always their like favorite catchphrase there was spare the rod spoil the child and I was like <laughs> wow that's um a little harsh but yeah that, like whenever you did anything wrong like if your fingernails were too long or something like that then they'd cane you. And I was like oh my uh, god. Yeah and I was like wow I didn't even know that was like A thing past the 1800s, but, like, you know, it's not like you think about the kids that got caned that, like, so often. They're not going to remember anything about school except for the fact that they were caned. They're not going to remember, you know, the things that they learn or the things that they'll learn will be, you know, the, like, mean attitudes that their teachers put on Mm -hmm. and, like, show
2: towards them. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about uh, how to be a better leader in our first segment and Mm -hmm. tips on how that's going to help you. And I had this metaphor that I always live by, that I try to live by because my dad uh, also taught me this as well. And Mm -hmm. it applies to two things. Uh, Is, you know, you put, is being a follower better than a leader? uh, Or is being a leader better than a follower? And Mm -hmm. I had this metaphor. It says, are you a sheep or are you a sheepdog? And this applies to something else, but it also applies to being a leader. You know, are you a follower yeah. or are you a leader? You know, the sheep follow, but the sheepdog herds them and leads them on where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I know. I think that's a really cool metaphor. That applies no. to
3: that. Yeah, that definitely applies, I think. Um, you know, I think sometimes maybe you want to maybe take the back, back seat sometimes if you don't know mm-hmm. as much about an issue or something. But at the same time, I don't think necessarily – taking the back seat doesn't make you a leader. I think, you know, yeah. you can still listen. Like one of the, you know, greatest qualities that a leader can have is being able to listen to others. Yeah. That's how they learn. So I think, yeah, that's an awesome metaphor. <laughs>
2: yeah, because I, I think that also applies to uh, what's going on with our presidential election. Are mm-hmm. these people listening to what this country needs or are they saying, this is what I'm going to do because I think it's going to be best? Uh, right. Is... Are our our presidential candidates thinking about the majority good of this country or are they trying to implement what they think is good because it will be good for them and the people that they want to please? That's the main thing that I think we all need to look for. Uh, You know, we're not trying to get all political here on this this radio show, but it's (laughs) an important topic right now because this generation, the millennial generation, you know, I'm 18 years old. I can now vote. And there are a lot more people who are also 18 years old. And our choices are going to affect the future of our country. And I don't think we realize that very often that our choice in who we decide to put in as a leader, Mm -hmm. that's going to affect our future as a country. And that is a huge load on our shoulders. Yes determining who's going to run our country well enough and you know all these people are putting hate on Donald Trump because they feel you know he says all these stupid things you know he's always saying things that offend people Mm -hmm. and you know and then we have Bernie Sanders who people uh, you know he said he was a socialist and you know people are up in arms about that and um, yeah it just It boils down to who do you believe will uphold the beliefs of this country and what it was founded upon? You know, take a look at our Constitution and Mm -hmm. really determine who is going to uphold that, who's going to uphold rights, and who's going to be unafraid of saying what the right thing to do is. You know, the one reason why I love Donald Trump is because he's not afraid to say what he feels. He's Mm -hmm. not afraid... To talk about what needs to be talked about talked about and yeah. um, I really think that's important as a leader too you know not being mm-hmm. afraid to say what needs to be said because it's going to offend somebody yeah and you know I in one uh, show that we had we talked about political correctness mm-hmm. and you know being afraid of what people are going to think is not a very good quality in a leader because you're going to have to make hard decisions as a leader and you're going to have to say uh, things that people aren't going to like because sometimes things just need to be said and they need to be worked out. And that's the tough part about being a presidential candidate because you have to please people, but you also have to point out things that need to be fixed to the people that need to be pleased. It's really complicated.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know... No matter what your political beliefs, I think it's pretty clear that we are at a pretty revolutionary stage. And, you know, mm-hmm. the time that we're in, it's a pretty revolutionary time. And whoever our next leader is going to be, it, he's going to have to, or she, he or she is going to have to make a yeah. huge impact. And she's going to have to, you know, change America for the better.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we ran out of time, unfortunately. I hate when we run out of time because we have such an awesome discussion going.
3: Yeah, well, thank you so much for this awesome conversation today. During the break, please be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be The Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity.
2: And definitely do not forget to check out our newly refurbished website. We think that you're going to love it. So when we come back, our Lion Wars reporter, Katie Lyons, will be with us. So stay with us for more empowerment and entertainment. I'm Asia Gonzalez.
0: Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself.
2: Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm your host, Asia, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of leadership. For
3: this segment, we have Katie Lyons and her segment, Lion Roars. Hey, Katie.
4: Hi. So this is Katie Lyons, and I'm one of the new reporters for Express Yourself, and I'm going to be talking about things from a sports perspective in my series called Lion Roars. And today, I'm going to be talking about leadership. So I thought that rather than share my thoughts on leadership, because I don't consider myself a great leader, at least not yet, it would be better to tell you about one of the most famous leaders in sports and share some of the things that he believed in and about um, how he led his team. So Vince Lombardi was, he is still probably one of America's most famous football coaches, and he joined the Green Bay Packers as a coach in 1959. And when he joined, the team had basically lost their whole season, and they were a losing team, but he managed to turn the team around in the span of nine years, and they became a winning team, and they won five league championships and two Super Super Bowls, and Lombardi eventually became known as one of the best football coaches in the history of football, So I really wanted to know what he did to turn his team around and how he led them to victory. So I did some research, and this is what I learned. So first of all, I learned that Vince Lombardi was all about winning and never giving up. So some of his most famous quotes are, Winners never quit, and quitters never win. Another thing he said was, There is no room for second place. There is only one place in my game, and that is first place. I have finished second twice in my time at Green Bay, and I never want to finish second again. So Lombardi believed that winning was the most important thing in any game, as well as life. And he couldn't, and he wouldn't accept defeat, and he found ways to improve his team, and they came back like stronger than before, even if they lost. And this is how he led them to victory because he made sure that his players knew that they couldn't ever give up and they always had to strive to be the best. And I think that everyone wants to be part of a winning team, but you really need to want it more than your competition and you have to work harder than your competition in order to be part of a winning team. So another thing that I learned was that Vince Lombardi knew that winning took a lot of work, and he made sure his players were willing to pay the price that it takes. And some quotes he said about this were, leaders aren't born, they're made. And they're made just like anything else through hard work. And that's the price we'll have to pay to achieve that goal or any goal. He also said, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. Surrender. Another thing he said was, I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle victorious. So if there is one thing that Lombardi knew, it was that you wouldn't get anywhere without hard work. He made sure that his players knew it, and he knew it, and he pushed them to their limits and beyond during difficult practices And he also knew that to be the best, you have to train the hardest and you can't take any shortcuts. The only way that you have to that you can get better at something is to work hard at it. And natural talent can only really take you so far. The rest of it is hard work. So the last thing that I learned was that Vince Lombardi made sure that everyone knew that teamwork is essential. He said teamwork is what the Green Bay Packers were all about. They didn't do it for the individual glory. They did it because they loved one another. He also said the achievements of an organization are the results of the combined effort of each individual. So this was one of his key values. And he knew that you can't play as an individual. You have to play as a team because no single person makes a team. Everyone has something to bring to the table. And I think that teams are necessary to success and Lombardi knew that too, and he spread his influence, and he trained his teams to work together in order to win because he really didn't promote individual players. He valued the team as a whole. So I thought that it was really interesting to learn about Vince Lombardi because he was the most famous football coach there ever was, and he taught a lot of important lessons that he was passionate about, and it was pretty amazing how he managed to share his beliefs and transform a losing team into Super Bowl champions. So um, Michael Jordan was also another big sports person who promoted leadership, and he said that some people want it to happen, some wish it would happen, and others make it happen. And this quote perfectly describes what a leader should be, and it shows what great leaders, including Vince Lombardi, did and practiced. And so it was really interesting learning about leadership and how – um, some big sports icons thought about it. Wow. I think sports is a huge example
2: of what leadership leaders should be.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I think, you know, I'm not even that into sports, but I think it's pretty clear that Vince Lombardi, you know, I'm always looking for historical figures or historical leaders to kind mm-hmm. of gain inspiration from. And I think it's pretty clear that even though Vince Lombardi isn't, you know, the most ancient person in the world it's pretty clear that he's already made like a huge impact and he's already a great leader so what like kind of characteristics do you think that he had that made him a good leader or what characteristics in general do good leaders have
4: so i think that leaders have to be people that like the team can look up to and uh they have to set a good example and uh they have to motivate their team and they have to know what they want And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, they really have to know what they want and have, like, strong beliefs and know how to do something.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, especially when it comes to a team, you know, like football. Football is a huge sport Mm -hmm. about leadership and teamwork because if one person messes up a play, the entire team pays that penalty. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I was in softball and volleyball when I was in school, and, you know, I was okay at softball. And I wasn't that good at volleyball, but the thing that I loved was the teamwork that was involved and the fact that the the captain that we had for our team really cared about how everybody else was doing, you know, while they were worrying about what they were doing. And the one thing that uh, is really cool about being on a team is learning who everybody is, and if you're the captain, how are you going to lead that team? So what do you think is the hardest thing about leading teams? Because that sounds really difficult
4: yeah um I think that the hardest thing would probably be setting a good example because you always have to know um, how to lead a team and you have to have like a winning attitude because if you have a negative attitude towards something your team is probably since you're the leader they live up to you and they're probably gonna get nervous because you're nervous and yeah. so you really have to, even if you are scared, you have to pretend that you aren't and put on a, like a strong face. Mm-hmm. So, I think that would probably be the hardest thing: is setting a good example. Yeah, I would agree with that one.
3: Yeah, we were even talking about that, talking about that in the last segment. Um, how you know that's definitely very important in a leader. And um, so, do you know any people personally who've set that kind of example? You know, even in the most trying circumstances. Like, have you known any? great leaders personally uh
4: yeah so I had a swim coach and he always knew what to say and he always knew how to get us ready for our races and he always so I think what made him a great leader is he always pushed us to work harder and um and before meets he would always get us pumped up and it would and we'd get really excited even if he wasn't really sure about the meet he would Um, pretend that he was. And so we would be, we felt ready for it because he told us that we were ready.
3: Yeah, no, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. I think Mm -hmm. it's definitely important to have strong leaders like that. So you can also derive some, you know, um, kind of skills from what they've put forth.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And (sighs) I live in Colorado, guys, so of course I rooted for the Broncos in this year's Super Bowl. <laughs> and <laughs> I did want to know, Katie, were there any good leaders in the most recent Super Bowl? You know, if if so, who do you think they were?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely the coaches were leaders, and also the quarterback is a huge leader. So Peyton Manning, he was definitely a leader because he had to, like, organize his team and call out the plays and decide <laughs> what they are going to do. was a
2: huge test for him. For this Super Bowl because you know he he'd been injured so he'd been out of a couple games but you know then he came back and bam he was in the Super Bowl so he yeah. had to really figure that part out and I think he did a good job with that
4: yeah
2: and we're we're becoming ESPN right now <laughs> 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 but
3: uh, yeah no um yeah even you know like I said I'm not that into sports but like one person that I, like, have heard about is, like, Peyton Manning and, like, how much of, you know, even if he's, like, injured or if there's something that's, like, setting him back, he just keeps coming back and, like, mm-hmm. doing an amazing job. And, you know, even though I don't know the details, I know that he, there's, you know, something amazing there. Um, so, Katie, you said in your segment, you were like, oh, like, I'm not really a leader or whatever, but I don't know. Like, I feel like you must have had some kind of leadership experience, right? Have you had any... Leadership experiences, or like, if you have, how did they go, and what did you learn from them?
4: Um. Well, water polo. I've definitely had some leadership experiences. Like before games, we always have team huddles, and the coaches aren't there because we're in the middle of a pool. And <laughs> so, yeah, we talk. We get ready for the games, and we talk about what we need to do, and we get each other pumped up. And so, like the team leaders. We don't have team captains, but we know who we are, and we always we talk about things, and we get everybody else ready, and so that's definitely been a big leadership experience for me. And um, talking about stuff like that has definitely it makes me feel more prepared, and it makes me feel more sure, even if before I was kind of skeptical. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. So that's definitely something I've taken away from leadership.
2: I think that you're really doing a great job because if you weren't a great leader, then I don't think you would be right here. So since you are here with us, I think you're leading everybody else uh, really well, especially with the with the uh, inspiration and, um, you know, power to promote your voice on this show. So I think that's really great with what you're doing. And I am really enjoying the fact that you joined our team. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, same yeah. here. And I think it's pretty <laughs> amazing that you're, you know, doing water polo. I know that's like one of the most difficult sports in the world. That yeah. definitely yeah, it's
2: swim class. Yeah. I know.
3: <laughs> no. Yeah. It's insane. Um, so yeah, thank you Katie so much for this insightful and inspirational segment focusing on leadership. We learned a lot and we're again, so delighted that you're on our team. You're very insightful and you just make us all learn stuff
2: that, you know, we wouldn't have learned. Before. <laughs> so
3: keep up the great work because you are a leader and your voice is important.
2: And unfortunately, we have no more time, but we wish we could talk more. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and a voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez.
3: And I'm Zara Hassanine. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be a leader, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. you say